0: Our first scripture reading for today is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, found on page 489. Let us pray. Lord God, as we open up your holy word, we ask for your spirit to open our hearts and mind as we listen for your word to us today. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9. While Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there, who said to one another in anger, Why was the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than three hundred denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. This is the word of God.
1: Our second reading is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 38 through 44, found on page 46 in the New Testament portion of your pew Bible. Listen for the word of the Lord to you. As Jesus taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes, And be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have the best seats in the synagogue and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury. And watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord. Our strength, our healer, our redeemer. Amen. I want you to know that my mother has no sense of time. So the words, I'll only be a few moments, usually filled me with a small sense of dread. She had a habit of adding one more thing to her list of things to do, stopping suddenly at the grocery store and saying, I'll only be a few minutes. Uh You sit here and watch the people. An hour later, I would have watched a lot of people, and the one thing I learned is no one looks happy going into the grocery store or coming out of it. Je- Jesus is also a watcher of people. He's sitting outside the temple watching the crowds. He sees those who come in, who are the legal experts, who are dressed very finely. And he's heard that some of them, when they're helping them with their property after their husband dies, Charge the kind of fees that leave them destitute. He has harsh words for them. It's easy to prey on the poor. We do it even still. We have only to read about what is being called the modern day debtors' prisons to see one of the ways we target the poor for a profit. They get a fine. They can't pay it. Interest accrues. More interest accrues. More interest accrues. And they end up in jail. In the temple, Jesus sits across from 13 brass receptacles for the offering. They're shaped like trumpets. They come down like this. And he notices that there are a bunch of people who put in large sums. Now, he doesn't say anything about that, and I certainly wouldn't, because it's pledge season. And we're wanting you to put in those large sums. But what he also notices is this widow. He knows it because of her distinctive garb. And he knows that she is destitute because all of her clothes are worn He sees her put in two small coins. And then he calls his disciples and say, I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the offering than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. The Greek word means she put in her whole life. At this point in the normal sermon, a pastor might go on and emphasize what it means to put in one's whole life to God. But I'm more interested in the question, why'd she do it? Why did the woman anoint Jesus' head With ointment that would be worth six years of wages. Why did they do it? The widow could have bought at least a crust of bread before she went out to the streets to beg. And I've been told I need to take some of that six years of wages and put them into my savings account for retirement. But there are no thoughts of this at that moment. And so I wonder what it is that made them give so extravagantly. And the only thing I can think of is that they had experienced the extravagant love of God for them. I fell in love with God and Jesus when I was a child. It came through singing the hymns. Songs like we have sung to. This day, be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save thou thou art. Thou my best thought, by day or by night. Waking or sleeping. Thy presence, my life. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I fain would take my stand the shadow of a mighty rock within a weary land, a home within the wilderness, a rest upon the way from the burning of the new tide heat and the burden of the day. And then when I graduated from college, I went to worship even though I hadn't for many, many years. And there in Atlanta, they were doing a baptism. And when the pastor brought the baby down the aisle, he said, This baby is loved by God. She didn't do anything to earn it. God loves her before she has done anything. And at that moment, I felt claimed by God. I felt loved by God. I go back to that memory again and again. Every one of you this day is here because you're drawn by God. Presbyterians would say the Holy Spirit's been active in your life. Some of you may have had a particular moment that you go back to, or maybe it's the music that has drawn you. Or maybe someone has prayed for you and it means so much. Maybe you've had a particular moment when God became real to you. And maybe God's been with you since you were little. There's a woman in this church who said at the beginning of a meeting, we were kind of introducing ourselves and sharing our experience of faith. And she said, you know, God is with me all the time, and I'm so grateful. Some of you may not feel that way. Some of you may be searching for God to become more real to you. There's another gentleman in our church who every morning he gets up and he reads scripture, and he reads a devotional, and he prays. He's been doing it for 40 years. Many of us do not have that practice, but maybe you've been reading scripture as Pratt and his son have, and the story has become alive for you. Maybe you have seen in Jesus something you want that you can hardly name. Maybe you come here as I do to hear God's love of us, and to hear that Jesus Christ forgives us so that we don't have to drag around all that guilt. I bet your stories are many and as different as each person in the room. For a devout Jew, they would have prayed three times a day. They would have sung the psalms of praise and lament to God And for some, it soaked into their very being. It became the core of their life together. I imagine that was true of the widow, that she had become so prayer-soaked in the worship of God through the prayers through the day, through the psalms and the prophets, that she came to love God because God loved her. And therefore, as a symbol of her whole life, she put in the last money that she had. And what about this woman who poured perfume all over Jesus? It's nothing that Presbyterians would do. Perhaps Jesus had identified her as a person of worth in a society where she was shunned or left out. Perhaps Jesus was the only safe man that she had met, and being with him became a holy space, a safe place. Maybe her heart was strangely warmed by his teaching, as it was John Wesley's and countless Christians through the ages. And this woman saw things that other disciples did not. She knew that the powers are rising against Jesus and that he faces death. And she gives him what she can. She pours out her love because she's received something from him so precious but she wants to give back. It is extravagant love that promotes self-giving. We know about extravagant love. We've heard about extravagant love, even if we don't feel like we've gotten it ourselves. Extravagant love is the four chaplains during World War II on a naval transport ship that was torpedoed. And as it went down, they handed out the life jackets, including their own, and linked arms and sang together as the ship went down. But there are more ordinary signs of extravagant love. There are the people who day by day go in and help this frail parent or work to ensure doggedly, persistently, that their child gets treatment for this rare illness. We see extravagant love in the German nation right now, who 50 or more years ago sent the Jews to their death and today are opening their doors to migrants. I love the story of one of the families who would go to one of these refugee camps every day and they pick out a family and they take them home for a hot meal and a bath so they can just have a little taste of love and welcome. And then there are the everyday examples of love being poured out. I love this one. It's from Laura Fanucci. She writes on the blog, Practicing Families, Real Faith, Real Life, Real Grace. She loves God. She wants her children to love God. And so every night before kisses and hugs and after the story, she takes her finger and puts a cross on their head and says, I bless you, Jesus loves you, do that. Put the mark on your head. I bless you, Jesus loves you. And what started to happen in her family is that they started blessing each other. And one day she'd gotten really angry at her five-year-old and really was out of proportion to what he did. And he, she apologized to him. And he came up to her and he reached up and put the cross on her forehead and say, I bless you. And then he went off to play. When a new baby joined them, all of the kids, the two others, wanted to hold the baby so they all got nestled on the couch and the two older children just looked at this new baby and were just loved him. And the older one reached over and he made the cross and he said, I bless you for God. Laura writes that they'll get older and think it's dumb, but she'll have to think of something else to do then. But her prayer will be the same that they will know Christ's love, and it will change their hearts their whole life long. God's love is like a mother who blesses her child every night. God is like a father who runs out to welcome the prodigal home. And in that love, we live. And in that love, we give. Thanks be to God.